morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church to our 10 a.m. hour of worship. It is a joy to be in worship with all of you this morning. I want to also welcome those who are extending our worship space, those who are joining us through our live streaming service, and those tuning in through WRR. If you are new and visiting among us, I'm so glad you found, found us here at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. I hope you'll join us after worship for fellowship and find the welcome desk in the atrium. There are friends with bright yellow name tags who are eager to meet you and give you a special gift bag made just for you. And they have information on our ministry and membership here at Preston Hollow. If you haven't done so already, there are friendship registry pads at the end of your pews. I encourage you to, to take one and to note your attendance as well as note those who are sitting next to you so we can continue to grow as a family of faith. Whether you are new or you are a longtime member, there are cards in your pew racks that I encourage you to use. There are connection cards on one side. It's a way for you, can, you can, to let us know how we can continue to journey with you on your faith. And on the other side, it's a prayer card where you can share your prayers of joys and concerns with your pastoral team. And we can pray with you throughout this week. And those cards can be put in the offering plate as those come through later in the service. I want to let you know that we have two exciting events coming up this week as we look forward to celebrating Pentecost. On Friday, we have a concert featuring the musician Sam Birchfield. Sam comes to us all the way from Atlanta, and he grew up in Appalachia where the Appalachia folk music inspired his love of music. And that infusion with Atlanta's R&B and jazz, he will bring that here, and I hope you will all come to 7 o'clock 7 p.m. in Founders Hall. Not only will there be music, but there'll be free gelato. So many reasons to come. And our very own Paul Deemer, who plays in our Worship at Five band, will open for Sam Birchfield. So it'll be a wonderful evening. It's open to all. So please invite your friends and your neighbors to join us for a fantastic evening. And then on Sunday, you're all invited to join us after our 10 a.m. worship for an all-church picnic. We'll join in Jubilee Hall, so there will be AC. And we'll celebrate the installations of our elders and deacons, and we'll have a fantastic spread of chicken and mashed potatoes and peach cobbler, so you don't want to miss that. And lastly, I want to invite our newest staff member, Maggie Johnson, to join me up here so you can all get to know Maggie. Maggie comes to us from Little Rock, Arkansas. She just told me this morning she learned that queso is not cheese dip. So she is not from Texas, y'all. But Maggie is a recent graduate of the University of Tulsa, where she majored in psychology. And she has extensive experience serving throughout the PCUSA. And she joins us as our newest director for youth ministries. Her focus will be on our seventh and eighth graders, as well as leading the junior high summer trips lock-ins and overseeing junior high Sunday school. <laughs> so glad she's here. <laughs> Maggie, I want to invite you to share a little bit with us as to why you feel called to serve in youth ministry, especially here with our congregation. Um, well, hello. So youth ministry is something that once I started in sixth grade, I just didn't really stop. Um, so youth ministry is something that I've always felt energy toward. But specifically at Preston Hollow, I love your emphasis on every single member of the congregation, regardless of age. 
I think our denomination as a whole is really craving youth ministry, so that's why I feel particularly called to it. Um, and I'm so excited to build upon the foundation um, that's been created beautifully by Reverend Sarah R. So. Thank you, Maggie. And what excites you the most about this summer season coming up? Um, so the queso tour. <laughs> I'm very good at adapting here in the youth ministry. Um, I'm excited about that short term, but then long term, I'm excited to dive in with these youth about what it means to love God and love our neighbor, no matter where our journeys take us, both this summer and throughout the next few years in their faith journey. Um, I think it's really important to make sure that youth are given a voice today, not tomorrow, not next year, but today. Um, so that's really what I'm excited about starting here. Thank you, Maggie. We're so glad that you're a part of our team here. And Maggie will join us in the atrium after worship, so I hope you'll all come by and greet her and welcome her here to our team. Thank you so much. Family of Faith, as you may be aware, our summer theme for our lives together is the sacred, ordinary life. And today is just like any other Sunday. Maybe you woke up with a fresh cup of coffee and a newspaper. If you're like me, you didn't get around to your coffee until it got lukewarm, but that's okay. And at the same time, today is unlike any other Sunday. I encourage you to look around to who's sitting next to you. Look at your neighbors, those across the aisle, that this configuration of people will be different next week that what you bring with yourselves, your joys, your concerns, your burdens, they'll be different by the time we gather in seven days' time. So yes, today is a regular Sunday. We will do our usual liturgy and routine, but God is here, and that, my friends, is sacred. Friends, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God.
in sleeping and waking. God is present. In eating and in playing. God is present. In losing keys, reading a book, and sitting in traffic. God is present. As we gather for worship, God is present. Let us worship God. Consumed by stress and toil, and overwhelmed in strife. 
Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. Saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. together. Good morning. How are you doing today? Thumbs up, sideways, down. I see some sideways up. I like the honesty. Good. All right. Well, it's so good to see you this morning. I love seeing all of your faces. Today, I want to talk to you about routine. Do you know what routine is? No? Routine is when we do one thing after another in a certain order. And so you might have a morning routine and you might have a bedtime routine. So in our family, with my two-year-old Owen, at nighttime after dinner, our routine is that he gets a bath, he gets to read a story, we say a prayer, we sing him a special song, and then it's lights out. Do you have a routine like that at your house? No, we're pretty unroutine. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is helpful. Um, <laughs> well, you'll notice that in our life at church here together, we have certain routines, right? You come here and you'll hear me say the same announcements about signing the friendship registry pad and about having fellowship after worship. Um, we have the same call to confession and prayer. And routines are designed to help us have order in our lives. It helps us to know what's coming next. Routine is also very helpful when we don't know what to do with certain things, right? So it gives us a reason for celebrating, and it gives us a reason for coming together when we're sad. And so let's think about your, let's think about birthday parties. What kind of typical things happen at a birthday party? Austin? You eat cake? Yeah, there's no birthday party without a cake. What else? There's balloons. Yeah, sometimes your cakes are cupcakes. What else? 
You get cards, yeah. You get presents, yeah, those are great answers. Parker, what? Yeah, you send invitations, those are awesome answers. So that's the routine for a birthday party, right? Yeah, so the first thing you do, right, you have to send an invitation, otherwise nobody's gonna come to your birthday party. And then you have balloons, and then you have cake, and then you have presents to open. So that's the routine for a birthday party. So today, Pastor Matthew is gonna tell us a scripture story about not a celebration, but about a sad occasion. Do you know a certain routine we have when sad things happen to us? Yeah, we have a funeral. You know, at a funeral, we have certain prayers we say. We have certain songs we like to sing together. So I was watching a funeral yesterday for someone that I really loved who died, and it really helped me feel good because it reminded me through the scripture and through the sermon and through the eulogies that God is with us no matter what. And so I want to remind us that we have routines for the good things that happen in our lives and when sad things happen in our lives. And today I want to invite us to participate in that routine because we're going to pray together like we always pray. But I want to invite us, my kiddos up here to hold hands and my kiddos back there to also hold hands with your neighbor. And we're going to pray while we hold hands because as we hold hands, those hands next to us remind us that we are not alone when we pray. So why don't we hold hands? I'm going to hold your hand. And everybody can pray after me. Let's pray. Dear God, you are with us in our joys and in our sorrows. Sometimes we can't explain why things happen in our lives. But we, trust but we trust that you cover all things, you cover all things with, your love. with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go sit with your family again. Thank you. prepared to hear scripture read and proclaimed, let us pray. Gracious God, we see you in the beauty of the world around us. We hear you in our favorite songs and in the words, I love you. We feel you when winter turns to spring and spring turns to summer. And we know you when strangers become friends and friends become family. You are all around us, but we often fail to realize it. So in this moment, help us to realize your presence. As we prepare to read scripture, open our ears that we may hear your word and know you better. Amen. So if you're uh, visiting us this day, you should know that that wasn't Sarah R. giving uh, the children's sermon. 
Um, that's our associate pastor, Kathy Lee Cornell. And uh, Sarah R. was supposed to be here this morning, but she came down with some food poisoning. And so we asked her to stay home and uh, get some rest and to keep all objects to herself. And we assured her that we would pray for her this morning. Um, but you should also know that uh, that's not the only uh, typo that you're going to find in the bulletin. And it's not really a typo. Um, our scripture lesson is going to change today. And before the sermon uh, this morning, I, I need to share something with you. Uh, this July, uh, next month, will be the Ruffner's 5th July in Dallas. It's true. It's hard to believe. I didn't say that to get an applause. And you may want to take it back after the sermon. You never know. So let's hold that thought. It's hard to believe, though. It's hard to believe that July will be our fifth July. And I need to tell you, over the last four years, I've come to love you. I've come to love our community. Uh, Preston Hollow, you've become our family. And it's been a, a deep joy of mine to walk alongside of so many of you in seasons of celebration, weddings and baptisms and anniversaries and promotions. It's been an equal gift to walk alongside of you during difficult seasons. Seasons of divorce, seasons of death, seasons of unemployment, seasons of tension at school and away at college. I love our church. I love our caring nature. I love our can-do attitude. I love our welcome of all people. I love that we value diversity of thought, opinion, diversity of, of, of politics and theology. I've even become to love... I've even begun to love some of our quirks. I love that you all were crazy enough to call a 15-year-old to be your senior pastor. <laughs> when you think about it, that took a lot of faith and some serious guts. I share all of this with you before the sermon this morning because the sermon's difficult. You should know that uh, I have another sermon prepared, and I'll preach that one on another day. It was a sermon about ritual. It was a, a sermon about our holy and ordinary days and moments. But that's not the sermon that was deep within me. There was a different sermon in my bones. Today's sermon has to do with a difficult issue in our country. And that issue is among the most divisive issues before us as a people. You need to know that I do not claim to have all of the answers. And I certainly don't claim to know how to solve it. But my dear friends, we simply cannot ignore how we have come to live as a people. And you've asked me to be your pastor. And you've asked me to help you, us, to think theologically about how to interpret and to live in this world. 
this sermon is my effort to do that. It's my effort to begin a, a crucial and critical conversation. So that's why our text is different. We're going to turn to the prophet Jeremiah to the 31st chapter. If you want to follow along, I'll give you a minute to get there. We're going to um, turn to verses 15 through 17. What is known as Rachel's lament. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day from the prophet Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Rama, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope. There is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Hover here. Hover in this sanctuary, O God, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. Create afresh and anew this very day. Pray that you would give me the gift of preaching these words would not be mere human words, but your word to your people. So breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I preached my very first sermon when I was 16 years old. I had been assigned to preach one part of the sermon on Youth Sunday. The week before Youth Sunday, the shooting, the mass shooting at Columbine High School happened. So the very first Sunday that I preached in my life, was about mass shootings. You see, the week before you, Sunday at First Presbyterian Church in Aiken, South Carolina, two young men walked into Columbine High School in Colorado and opened fire, killing 12 and wounding 21. A voice was heard in Colorado, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children because they were no more. The stories and reports from Columbine haunted every student and parent in our small town in South Carolina. Our parents worried about sending us to school the next week. 
as students, we wondered if something similar could happen at our own high school. We began looking at our fellow students in a completely different way. Our Youth Sunday theme that year was, What if God was one of us? Based on the Joan Osborne song that had been remade by Alanis Morissette at the time. As a youth group, we sang that song as the offertory anthem that morning, standing right on the chancel steps. It was the 1990s, so please don't judge us. <laughs> I was 16. I was sitting right there. Uh, it was the very front pew closest to the pulpit. Butterflies uh, were swimming in my stomach. I grasped the sermon that I had prepared to preach. My sermon was entitled, If God Had a Name, Would You Call It to His Face? That sermon was about whether or not I would have had the faith to call God's name in the halls of Columbine the previous week. Little did I know then that that Sunday would be the first of hundreds of Sundays to come, when as a country, we would gather in worship on the heels of mass shootings. Little did I know then how much weeping our nation would collectively do, and how often I would find myself in the same exact seat. You see, after I graduated from Columbia Seminary, I worked in the admissions office. I got to travel the country recruiting students to Columbia Seminary. I'll never forget my first trip to Blacksburg, Virginia. If you haven't been to Virginia in the fall, you just have not lived. I got into town earlier in the afternoon. I put on my running clothes and ran the trail that went around campus. I'll never forget running by the football, practice football fields and hearing the Virginia Tech football team practice. I showered and I showed up to the campus ministry to, to lead a discussion and a Bible study on vocation with the students at the campus ministry as part of their weekly gathering. It was a spirit-filled night. I still remember the incredible depth and reflection of the students, but at the end of the night, something happened that I'll never forget. The campus minister said that she had an announcement to make. Out of nowhere, she announced that at the end of the semester, she was going to retire from ministry and from the campus ministry. Her soul was weary, burdened, and tired. She needed to take time away because she was on campus the day of the Virginia Tech shooting. She said there was not a day that she drove to campus that she didn't relive the horror and the trauma of that day. Through choked back tears, she told the students how much she loved them, how much she loved that campus. But she had to spend time working through her continued PTSD. A voice is heard in Virginia. 
lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children because they are no more. Several years later, I was an associate pastor at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Atlanta. We had just celebrated our Christmas party. I had gone back to the office to finish up some emails. The news reports came pouring in of a school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. I stood in front of my computer in horror. My colleague, David Bartlett, was across the hall and I ran into his office and we prayed and we wept. And we read scripture. I was heartbroken, I was numb. The next Sunday, we gathered for worship at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary. It was Advent, the sanctuary was packed. Every week at Trinity Church, after the scripture, scripture lesson and the anthem, the minister would invite our children to the front of the sanctuary before they left to worship in another place. The minister would stand and invite our children, the, the three and the four and the five and the six-year-olds, to the front of the chancel, the older siblings grabbing their younger siblings' hands, just like we saw a moment ago. And our children stood on the steps, just as they had done for years. And the pastor stood up and said what we said every week. As our children depart to worship God in another place, we say to them. And the whole congregation said, may God be with you there. And the minister said, and they say to us, and may God be with you here. We watched our children process out of the door, out of our sight, out of our reach, out of our protection. And I looked up from the lectern that Sunday as our congregation collectively wept. Every person in the sanctuary was crying. Gay and straight, parent and grandparent, single and married, old and young, youth and young adult, pastor and parishioner, conservative, liberal. We all wept. We wept knowing that this ritual was lived out in an entirely different way the day before in Newtown, Connecticut, as parents in some form or fashion said to their children, may God be with you there. And the memories of their children echoed, may God be with you here. A voice was heard in Connecticut, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children because they are no more. Then in the summer of 2016, I was standing right there. I was getting ready to walk in to the sanctuary and do a sound check. 
One of you came running up to me and said, have you seen the news this morning? I said I had not. They said, I think you should go to your office. And so we did, and we opened my computer, and there on the screen, we watched in horror as news reports poured in of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. It wasn't two weeks later. On a Thursday evening right here in Dallas, Texas, we watched in horror as the deadliest police shooting in our nation's history happened in our own city. Just down the street from your office buildings, just down the street where you spend your daily lives, I stayed up all night long watching the news coverage. Sarah Ruffner walked in to our living room to find me at 2 o'clock in the morning. She beckoned me. She said, Matthew, it's late. You've got to come to bed. I said, Sarah, I can't go to bed. Our city's in pain. We're broken and traumatized. I gotta stay up and live this night. I have to live this pain. Because tomorrow, I'm gonna have to help comfort our people. And on Sunday, I'm gonna have to climb into that pulpit and offer a word of hope and light in the midst of the darkness. Next Sunday, we gathered here. It looked like Easter. There wasn't a seat to be found in this place. And we mourned. And we prayed. I'll never forget that Sunday. A voice is heard in Dallas, Texas. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children because they are no more. Then there was Las Vegas and then Parkland. Not to mention Aurora and Charleston and UNC Charlotte and the Amish school shooting. Sutherland Springs, Texas, right in our backyard. Then the synagogue in Pittsburgh and others. A voice is heard in America. Lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel is weeping for her children because they are no more. It's another Sunday morning. And today, we mourn the 12 people who were killed in Virginia on Friday. There has been and there continues to be so much weeping more tears than we know what to do with. I want to remind you, as I have reminded you before, God's heart was the first to break on Friday. God's heart was the first heart to break when those lives were taken. God's heart broke at the darkness of that moment. And in that pain, and I want to remind you that it is God's spirit that surrounds the community of Virginia Beach and the families this very morning. 
I need to confess to you that I resist preaching a sermon about gun violence every time there is a mass shooting because I do not want it to become rote. I don't want to preach a sermon or lead a prayer and then everything goes back to normal. I want to remind you of the good news of the gospel. We do have the power by the grace of God to shape the world in which we live. So the theological question before us, my dear friends, is this. Is this the world we want? Is this the world we want? I preached my first sermon after Columbine when our nation was shocked and weeping. And I preached this sermon today as our children rehearse active shooter drills along with fire and tornado drills at school. Is this the world in which we want to live? Because this is the world in which we live today. It's the world that we have tolerated. It's the world that we have built. But is this the world we most want for our children and our grandchildren? A world with so much weeping, a world filled with so many tears. My dear, dear friends, I don't pretend to have the answers to this complicated issue. And I pray that this sermon is not over at the benediction. I pray that this sermon will continue to inspire your own thoughts and conversations about the world that we are building. It's been a conversation that's been part of my entire preaching life. And frankly, it's not a conversation that we can afford to ignore. From where I sit, we have been in the exile of gun violence for far too long. 20 years now of my life, there has been too much weeping. There have been too many tears since that first Sunday when I crawled into the pulpit to preach. And I still believe with every fiber of my being that this type of pain is not what God intends for God's children. For God's promise to us and to the world is life and life abundant. How can we be a small part of building the world that God has promised? The prophet Jeremiah reminds us and implores us your work, your work will be rewarded with hope for your descendants. There is hope for our children if we put in the work. Could there be a greater promise for us today? Pray with me. Holy God, we pray for those weeping this day. We pray for those weeping this day because their children are no more. 
inspire us as your people to work together so that there is hope for our descendants. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise in body or in spirit and affirm what we believe, using the words in your bulletin. We respond to God's grace through the gift of prayer. The Christian life is one of constant prayer, as the challenge of everyday discipleship requires daily disciplines Prayer is a way of opening ourselves to God, who desires communication and communion with us. Prayer may take a variety of forms, such as conscious conversation with God, attentive and expectant silence, meditation on scripture, the use of service books, devotional aids, and visual arts, and singing dancing, labor, or physical exercise. Prayer may also be expressed in action through public witness and protest, deeds of compassion, and other forms of disciplined service. Prayer is meant to be a gracious gift from God, not a task for obligation. You may be seated. Friends, an important rhythm in our life of faith is giving and receiving, giving and receiving. We give to express God's generous gifts in our own lives, and we receive to be reminded of God's imminent grace each and every day. So this month we are giving of our gifts, specifically our $1 bills to Hope Supply Company, which is an incredible organization that serves homeless parents seeking take care of their children. May our gifts, our very basic gifts, be a means of communicating God's incredible love to this world. Let us give of our morning tithes and offerings.
Creator God, there are so many ordinary things in our lives that are extraordinary gifts. Colors and laughter, sunrises and rainfall, music and meals. You have filled our lives with things to be grateful for. So as an act of gratitude, we give back these gifts. We pray that you can use them to turn death into life and the ordinary into the sacred. Amen. Amen. Friends, you may be seated. You should know that this table doesn't belong to us. We were, we were able to purchase it a really long time ago because of your generosity, but we don't own it. It's not a Presbyterian table. It actually is not Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church's table. It's Christ's table because he is the host. Because Christ is the host, he is the one who gets to do the inviting. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest here. He says, come, all of you who know uh, this table and this ritual like the back of your own hands, you're welcome here. Christ says, come, all of you uh, who have more questions than you think you have faith. This table is big enough for those questions and those doubts. Come, I got a seat prepared just for you. Jesus says, come, come, even if you haven't been here in a very long time. We'll dust off your seats because it's been waiting for you all along. So no matter where you are on this journey of life, no matter where you are on your journey of love, and no matter where you are on your journey of faith this morning, Christ says, come, for I'm waiting for you, and I'll meet you here. As we prepare to pray together, I want to remind us of an important ritual we have together. We have care letters located just outside these doors under the windows. Let your signature be a prayer to someone in our community of faith who is in need. In addition, we also have prayers of joys and concerns listed on the back of our bulletin. I want to highlight that we are praying a prayer of joy for the 50 of our Preston Hollow women who are enjoying the Mo Ranch Women's Conference this weekend. And I also want to give a prayer of joy for the Bumpus family, for Alex and Kristen, who are choir members who welcomed their first child, Henry, Hank, Isaac Bumpus, and for a proud grandmother, Carol. Friends, let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Gracious God, you have always had a way with the ordinary. You have a way of turning moments into memories, life into love, and friends into family. You turn church buildings into homes and you turn nature into church. You have always been this way, for you are a God of the details. You are a God of the particular, and we need that. We do not need an abstract, distant idea of God. We need a God woven into the fabric of our lives, our living and breathing, our sleeping and dying. And so we come to you today trusting that you are that God. And in that faith, we bring the messy, tattered part of our existence to this table. We bring grief and loneliness, both of which ache to our core. 
We bring fear and insecurity, shame and addiction. We bring our mental health concerns, depression and anxiety. We bring our financial stress and concern for our children. We bring uncertainty around our own calls and an abiding fear of change. We bring a deepening desire to be people of justice and radical hospitality, alongside a deepening awareness that we are blinded by our own various positions of privilege. So in all of this, we pray, dwell among us, O God, live in the particularities of our lives, know our fear and insecurity, exist in the details of our suffering, and give life to our hopes and our prayers. Turn ordinary moments to sacred moments, as only you can, and meet us at this table, for we are hungry for you. We are hungry for glimpses of the holy and reminders of a new day. And so with the confidence of children, we pray together the words your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. On the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus Christ was at table, and he took bread, and giving thanks to God, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in like manner after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink all of it, and do this in remembrance of me. For friends, for as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim Christ's saving death until he comes again. And he is coming. For Christ is here now with us at table for these these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we will celebrate communion by remaining in our pews. Uh, Gluten-free crackers will be passed. You are invited to take one and to partake it, to remind your neighbor that it is the body of Christ. We will then uh, pass out grape juice. You're invited to hold the cup and we will partake in that together collectively as a sign of our unity in Christ. So come, the table is now ready. Let us keep the feast.
since this is the cup of the new covenant, drink ye all of it. Let us pray. Gracious God, we always need this meal more than we know. We need the unity that comes with this meal, the rare moment when all are fed, and we need the message of belonging that comes with this table, that all are welcomed here, for we are all loved just as we are. And we need the reminder that comes with this meal that this is not the promised day. You are not done here, and we have work still to do. So allow this sacred and ordinary meal to fuel our fire and send us out into the world as changed people. Gratefully, we pray. Amen. Friends, let us now stand and sing our closing hymn. We're going to sing verse 1. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jackhead. I love you, Anel. I love you, Dawn and David, Hannah and Mike, Linus, Chris, Will, Sandy, Stacy. I love you. Let us begin there as we navigate difficult conversations. Let us begin in our collective love of one another and one another's children. We have to begin there. Otherwise, we'll never get anywhere. So as you leave the sanctuary this day, as you navigate very difficult conversations, do not lose sight of the one that you're conversing with. And do not lose sight of your love for them. Another way to put it is, as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church and the world, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. And may God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire 
And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways this day and all our days. Amen. Amen.